Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so, Danny, uh, Danny, so tell us about the Lamborghini. Oh, my God. The Lamborghini, um, just the lovely um, Italian sports car, supercar. Uh, the funny thing. Okay. So we're all familiar with your Ferraris, your Lamborghinis, mm. your, your Bugattis and what have you. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're obviously and clearly, you know, uh, you know they're the land the land boats of the rich land. you know uh, you know if if you're if you're if you've just committed your first ponzi scheme or whatever uh you know you're you're going to get a you're going to get a supercar a Lambo. you just got it yeah a mclaren something something like that mm. um but i i was watching a youtube video recently and they were talking to dead mouse i believe about his Ferrari and about how apparently Ferrari sued Dead Mouse because he he like altered his Ferrari like uh, too Fer much. Ferrari or Lamborghini? Well, I'll get there. Basically, okay. basically he altered his Ferrari too much. Too much. And he put yeah, like he put like a a a, a different wing on it and like put his logo and like painted it rainbow. But doesn't he? Or, own, or but he owns the car. Yes, yes, he did. He does, but Ferrari, that's the thing. Like, Ferrari is like incredibly protective of their brand. Oh. They're like, they, they're, they're very snooty about how they, they want their cars portrayed. And the, the, it's very funny because there needs to be when more you, positive portrayals of Ferraris in media. Uh, well, the the funny thing is just sort of like when you think about, well, what about Lamborghini? They're like, oh, you can turn, you can make an abomination of our cars. We do not care. <laughs> <laughs> you can do uh, like, the Homer Simpson with it. Absolutely. You can absolutely. Like, and that's, like, that's why like dumb and dumber dog car, but Lamborghinis. No, seriously. Like Lamborghini is like, look, we know what we are. We are a stupid, fast <laughs> Italian car. Fucking put a sail on this goddamn thing, like they 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 love it with the yeah. Uh, we want you to put, yeah or something stupid because the sail is cool. <laughs> we want you to put an entire completely reflective metallic wrap on this fucking uh, seven hundred horsepower like machine, which is why uh, they're they're so attractive uh, to like uh, just like scammers and um, just. Um, uh, uh, white collar, white collar crime stuff, because it's just sort of like, yeah, it's it's a real fuck you move to buy a Lambo mm. and then just do something ridiculous with it. Like, I mean, obviously Ferrari is like as you know they're as um, ridiculous as well, but they have they try to keep like that sort of like, oi, madatacare, fine Italian mm. prestige to them, you know. So you know. it's kind of like if you get a Ferrari, it's like uh, you, you live in a gated community with a homeowners association that tells you that your mm -hmm. hedges all have to be six feet tall, and if it goes right. up to seven feet, one of your neighbors is going to snitch on you, and then there's going to be yes. a, then somebody's going to come to your door and make sure that you get your hedges down like to the right size. Rand Paul vigilante justice. Yeah, there's yeah. three yeah. shades of beige that your uh, like neo Italian villa uh, gated community house can be. Three shades of beige. Yeah. 
Come on. Yeah, you're, 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 you're. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you're. Are we gonna? No one's gonna make that joke. I'm sorry. What? No. <laughs> no. Three shades of beige. You're, three shades of beige. Uh, okay. Anyways. No. It, it, so yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna have that. You're gonna come in with your cherry red Ferrari. You know the red. You, you could picture oh, yeah. it in your head right now. Mm-hmm. The red. Yeah. It's like they're copyrighted red. You'll come in. Go quickly into your garage door. That's it. If you got a Lambo, you're 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 a Florida guy. You're you, you're bumping like boom 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 like just like mm-hmm. DJ Diplo like fucking down Ninth Avenue. You know, like it's you know techno out the. They want you to be like fuck you. We're a, we're a Lambo. We are and uh and we don't we do not give a shit. Uh, which is why it ties in so perfectly to the. The Florida guy. So what? What happened to De- to Dead Mouse? What happened to Dead Mouse? They win? made him change his car. What? They made him. They made him. They made him change it. They made him change it. Ferrari's oh uh, intellectual. Ferrari's intellectual property is incredibly strong. They're one of the most well-known, uh, litigious, lawyerly. You know, I mean, they're Ferrari. They're fucking Ferrari, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like, went to law school because, you know, I wanted to work on, like, immigration rights. But, you know, now I work for Ferrari. And, you know, funny how the world takes you to different places. I mean, just imagine the person who would end up being a lawyer for Ferrari. I mean, I guess it'd be... I guess it'd be a cool you, job. It'd be a cool job. You, you would, like... <laughs> yeah, dude, you'd live in, like, one of the weird small cities of Italy. You'd get to work every day. You'd immediately, like... You, it would be such a fucking stereotype. You walk in with mm-hmm. your, like... Your fucking, like, Gucci loafers and stuff. Just, immediately take, just, like, the smallest espresso possible. Yeah. And then just sort of, like, you know, elegantly gesture to each other for, like, five minutes. Yeah. Uh, guys, let's, let's close up this uh, podcast shop and all become lawyers <laughs> for, for the Ferrari Enterprise. Yeah. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do for a job? I make sure that once somebody purchases one of our cars, they don't, uh, they don't paint it uh, any shade of beige. They keep it that sweet, <laughs> sweet trademark cherry red. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah, Dead Mouse. it's like he just had to fucking, he had to to gloat about it because he fucking he has like a fucking huge following he put it on instagram and then ferrari was like oh you better not this sounds, and then it, they didn't this sounds like some like old money versus new money shit you know like yes i could totally yes. imagine like jay gadsby owning a ferrari you know and then just like totally you know like a east hampton versus west hampton sort of shit you know, call- Mr. West Egg. Yeah, Mr. West Egg. He, yeah, exactly. There's just some like, like, oh, you're a Lamborghini. Oh, how gauche. Uh, I say, yeah. I tell you, I tell you, the new money they just don't know how to spend. You know, like that sort of thing, that sort of divide. Yeah, man. It's all about uh, it's it's all about um prestige and what have you. I mean, I'll put I'll I'll throw I'll edit this in here, but like Ferraris, they have like a. They people always talk about it's all about that that engine noise that they make. They have a very specific like you know when they rev out. You know? There's a Pavlovian <laughs> response when you hear it if you're in a certain rarefied atmosphere of income. Yeah. Uh-huh. Where where your your uh, your pupils dilate, your nostrils flare, and you start salivating, and you're like yeah. Mm. <laughs> Dude, actually, you know who had a Lamborghini? Who I I just remembered, Bam Margera, back in like the early two thousands. I remember that was his thing. He had a he's like 
yo, dude, let's go get the Lambo and go fucking do donuts. Hell yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, so if that'll give you an idea of what Lamborghini, Lambor- Lamborghini Lamborghinis is, is like. are for happy people. That's my theory. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, they are. They are. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, speaking of happy people, this came up in Time Magazine. Uh, there's this guy. Um, once again, Florida man, Florida man, Florida man, Florida man, receives three, Echo. receives $3.9 million in COVID-19 relief and buys a Lamborghini and gets arrested <laughs> for fraud. Hell yeah. Happy dude. Yeah, man. It's it, that's the thing is like I I'm gonna I'm gonna go on Craigslist and see if I can find a Lamborghini actually see how much they cost. These are that is such a live fast die young uh, fraud scheme because all of your neighbors see you driving around in an yeah. ecto cooler green Lamborghini that seems like it jumped off of a, like a middle school boy's trapper keeper cover. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and you're just vroom vroom vrooming around the neighborhood and everyone's like. How are you doing that, right? And he's like, PPE, PPP money, baby. <laughs> Got that sweet PPP. Yeah, this you kid down with PPP? <laughs> I, yep, yep. This kid is 29 years old, okay? Oh, like, how fucking gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he clearly is just like uh, a millennial recognizing that the world is going to end soon, and so he may as well just get arrested for fraud. And like live up to his like twelve year old boy fantasies of owning a Lamborghini. Uh, I I love it. I love it, man. Dude, look at this thing. You can get you can fucking get a 2015 Lamborghini Huracan for about 175k. That's a great deal. Oh, uh, <laughs> you can get a Gallardo. No, excuse me, a Performante. You get a you can get a Huracan oh. Performante for eighty two eighty nine k. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's he- great. Heinz received three point nine million dollars. <laughs> okay. Uh, he said, uh, "Yeah, claimed he he falsely claimed his companies paid millions of dollars in payroll in the first quarter of 2020. Uh, state and bank records, however, show little to no payroll expense during this time. Just a few. And then after getting three point nine million dollars, he bought the Lamborghini for three hundred and eighteen thousand. Danny. So, little. Um, mm-hmm. little Was it a new one? It doesn't say. It, doesn't it was say. probably new. He's going. Also, I have to say, in New York Craigslist, when you put in Lamborghini, you fucking know you're going to Long Island, man. That's where you get that. That's where you get that shit. Respect, respect the Long Island, baby. Which yeah. which part of Long Island, though? Oh, uh, probably just outside of Queens, honestly. You know. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. I like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Are you guys car guys? So, are, are you guys car people? Uh, I've got, I've become a car person. Uh, your your boy over here just got a city bike membership for the year. So <laughs> I'm not even a bike person. <laughs> uh, I'm, not a sh- I'm not a shoe person. <laughs> I'm not a sock person. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, but we all need to get cars just to survive now because you can't really if corona comes back are you trying to get on crowded trains mm. oh dude car cars in new york are such a like tr- it's like a you know when people see like this deeply cursed image you know like on twitter or whatever yeah. like that's what car that's what cars in new york are because it's such um so backwards like 
you 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 do see people who uh grew up in abject poverty like driving around just being confined to that poverty because it is so fucking shitty to drive a fucking car in new york city you know getting into manhattan is an absolute nightmare like it's like you guys it's like um it, it, it fucking sucks and uh if you get caught on the wrong road or like some douchebag in a semi is like tried to take too hard of a right turn gets jackknifed and then you're just stuck for for uh, an hour or whatever um right yeah but you yeah and you do see you do see like really weird little things like people love pimping out their honda crvs here honda crvs are like super you'll see guys who have the the at the wheels they'll be like this they'll be all like tilted to the side whoa cool and, and then they'll have like the honda logo but you, they'll be like Oh, a stick figure will be fucking another stick figure up against the Honda logo. That's what I'm talking like, about. And they put that on yeah, Instagram yeah. and Honda does not sue them. <laughs> Honda, <laughs> Honda's just like, Honda's like, yes, ask grass or cash. Nobody writes for free. Honda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a lot, dude. Uh, also in Bushwick, there are a lot of dudes who wish beyond their wildest dreams that their car was a transformer and i know that because they put the transformer logo on the car <laughs> they put it right below the car it's oh, just like that's the, the, cool it's very sad it's very sad they're just sort of like yeah man i wish my car was a transformer <laughs> it's just like no man no, your 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 fucking accord will never be a transformer. What? <laughs> what are you doing? So the, the other day, the other day, uh, my girlfriend has a car in New York, and it's a, a Honda Fit. And the other day, we were looking for parking in the Upper West Side, and it took us like forty five minutes. And people are so mean about finding parking in Manhattan. And yeah, we were there was this Lexus SUV that was trying to fit into this parking spot, and they were literally just bumping both cars in front of them and behind them for five Rumble. minutes and just back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, like that's, it's like that scene in austin powers you know where he's just stuck in the hallway uh, yeah 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 and he, he was just doing that for five minutes and we were just waiting it was like you're not gonna do this and then finally it was just like we're holding up traffic we had to go around the we had to like drive around the block still couldn't find parking we go back and guess what he he left after all of that and probably just uh you know damage these poor people's cars i think that the i think that the lexus suv is maybe the most fascist of all the vehicles it's like it emblemizes yes. the like desire like the petty bourgeoisie desire for just like conquering the world and like and being wealthy at the same time hey david i i take your your lexus suv and i raise you a mercedes g-wagon because it's literally german and because they cost like two hundred thousand dollars and are exclusively driven by the douchiest people ever so <laughs> get, get. I, I say what i was just gonna say i don't know if you guys remember the early 2000s uh hummers being a huge thing and this right. was oh my god all, all at the moment that uh you know al gore's uh, inconvenient truth is coming out we're thinking about climate change right. and then and george bush is in office we're going to war with iraq to uh just basically plunder their oil and uh at that moment in time SUVs are making this huge jump in uh in the market. 
everyone's buying an SUV. Oh, and yeah. mm-hmm. it's it feels the same as right now Donald Trump being like, you don't need to wear masks. Like there's this mm-hmm. willful um, uh, nihilism that we have where we're like, hell yeah. Like what is the opposite of what we should be doing? Five Let's miles per gallon. the Hummer. <laughs> Five and, yeah, miles yeah. per gallon. And like, yeah. uh, also, you know, one reason that My, the SUVs. This suburban enclave is a war zone. <laughs> yeah yukons like these fu- suburbans uh what some tahoes oh yeah the names of these these like titanic that were in the um in the driveways of all of these gated communities man giant the cars navigator and then people are like but they you buy these your parent you're an affluent parent you buy this car for your your 16 year old kid and oh, you're yeah. like well i want to make sure that they're safe on the highway but the thing is is that every other parent is thinking the same thing so you've just created this uh mutually assured <laughs> destruction arms race oh yeah, yeah. where <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah the safety uh <laughs> advantage that any one of you would have had is uh immediately canceled out by the fact that everybody else has that big tank yeah yeah I'm- yeah the dude uh, that's the funny thing is like independent car guys are actually kind of cool because they do really weird shit like Somebody like modded out a smart car and put a six six hundred horsepower engine in it, <laughs> which, <laughs> by the way, is like like six hundred horsepower in a smart car. The weight to power ratio is insane, <laughs> so it's just sort of like <laughs> like you just think it goes so fast, so quickly. That seems like you know? more of a the, firework than a car at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, those guys, those guys are are. Are very fun, but yeah, Gabe, you're right. There was, there really was this sort of weird arms race, and it, it has kind of come back now in the form of Jeep, like uh, especially in New York. Like Jeep people love fucking Jeeps. They love Wranglers. They love Liberties, like four by fours. I need you see yeah. Jeeps all over the. I place. need a four wheel drive, uh, like fullest tactical, full assault vehicle that's great for deserts and swamps and bayous. Where do you need it? Mm-hmm. Here in the most civilized, paved, uh, three <laughs> miles uh, of a, of American city. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they just came out. They just came out with a prototype for the fucking twenty twenty one Ford Bronco. The Bronco. The the, the OJ car, it, it is the, it, they redid it and it looks exactly like you think it would look. It's just an abomination to sensibility, you know? Hell yeah, dude. Well, th- thinking about that arms race stuff, man, reminded me of this piece that was in the Financial Times and like uh, the, that is a little bit different of like a subject, if that's okay to, 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 sure, to sure. move on. Um, but it's this... um. Basically, this happens a lot in the financial press where a reporter will just interview a wealthy person and they'll just choose someone to interview. Usually, I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, just or I mean, like, obviously, the person's like in the financial sector in some way. Uh, But this is the Financial Times uh, lunch with the FT. Jim Chanos, we are in the golden age of fraud. Oh, right Uh, now? Jim. That's what he said. Jim. That's what he said. Jim Thanos. Jim. Jim Thanos. Does he have the? Does he have the? All. Does he have the stones? <laughs> I know. It's like it, it's a little on the nose to to call yourself that, right? Or like it almost sounds like Theranos as well. Uh, oh my God! I didn't think of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, just too many things. So uh, he's a short seller, uh, which we all kind of remember 
from uh, the, the the movie The Big Short, right? Where mm-hmm. basically the plot of the movie is all these guys figure out that the economy is going to collapse because of, you know, uh, the credit raging agency is not properly assessing mortgage-backed securities and no one's doing their due diligence and everyone's selling people homes that they can't afford. And they figure it out. And instead of reporting it to regulators, they decide to short it. Um, and what is shorting again? I don't fully remember. It's like when you. Oh, oh short, shorting. It's when you it's betting against. It's saying this shit's going to fail. Right. OK. OK. So you're, yeah. you're betting that it's. And so how does it work? You like. You take out a loan. You you come up. It's like you come up with an agreement because like that's what that's what they were doing in the Big Short. Is um uh what's his name? The main character's name. Um, not the not the actually, but uh the, the actor who's that actor? Christian uh, Bale. Christian Bale. Christian Bale specifically has to go and set up like uh, a contract or an agreement right. with uh with like Deutsche Bank or whatever. And, Goldman Sachs and, and stuff. Yeah, Goldman Sachs, and he has to go to these banks and be like, "If this happens, you have to pay me this." So it's like it's right. just legalized, legalized gambling, right? Right. So it's like in the future, and it's more. It's like saying like, "On this date, I want to buy. I want to sell you this many stocks, and you have to buy them from me." And it, yes, something like that. Uh, so that way, uh, if they plummet, then you just make a, a shit ton of money. I, I honestly, I, if look, you know, if anybody wants to do this, they can have my million dollar idea. I don't care. Um, they need to come up with a app like Robinhood that is exclusively for shorting. <laughs> just like it just call it like spite or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, it would be it would be immediate. It would be immediately popular. People would love it. I mean, everyone's just sort of like, oh, you can get involved with the stock market by investing in it. And then you just have spite just like. Fuck you, Tesla. You're going down. Uh, how about, <laughs> I, want, I want to start an app called Grave Dancer, where uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just sends you the obituaries of terrible people. Yeah, and uh, oh my god, you wake up in the morning and see who died, and you're like, "Fuck yeah, Kissinger!" And you're like the first guy to like blow your air horn out the window, you know. <laughs> That I love that, and then like the the uh you know yeah Kissinger dies, and that song goes on where it's like dun 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 like just for the entire day. Yeah, that would uh yeah him. There's that other guy who's in the wheelchair who's like a a really big Republican donor in Sheldon also Sheldon Adelson. Sheldon Adelson, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna get um. Uh, a Mr. When, Frog. Dance, when Sheldon Adelson you know? dies, I'm buying a Lambo, man. Whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, is Jim Chanos? He, uh, basically, his whole thing is that, well, as a short seller and owns this little hedge fund, you know, just uh, three point. No, no, no. Uh, you know, uh, not not too much money. Uh, what, what does it say? How much money it was? Um, couple billion. Yeah, it's just like a couple billion, right? Uh, not, not nothing too crazy. He's only got like twenty employees, but he is a you know he's kind of viewed as like a big boy in the sector, and he thinks that right now things are really really good for fraud, and fraud is really good for him because what he does is he 
sees a company marketing itself, advertising itself, reporting on its disclosures and its numbers, and he says, I think you're full of shit, and so then he decides to short against them. And that's his entire strategy, is mm -hmm. he just calls people out for bluffing. And he thinks that right now is the perfect environment for people to play fast and loose with the truth, for corporate wrongdoers to get away with it for a long time. Uh, so basically, because it's been a 10-year bull market driven by central bank intervention, uh, level of retail participation in the markets reminiscent of the end of the dot-com boom, uh, Trumpism, you know, post, you know, people, my facts are your fake news sort of shit, and yeah. si Silicon Valley's fake it till you make it culture, uh, which is compounded by the fear of missing out, right? So everyone always feels like there's just such a, there's a lot of like keeping up with the Joneses in the Silicon Valley world, and a lot of people posturing like they're living in a suburban enclave. Um, and all this is exacerbated by lax oversight, financial regulators and law enforcement are financial archaeologists. They'll tell you after the company has collapsed what the problem was. <laughs> financial financial archaeologist. Oh, I need to get my little brush so I can find. I can. Oh, look! It looks like this guy was uh, putting in a Keurig cup when the volcano erupted. <laughs> <laughs> I was. That's that's great. So basically, he's just looking at all of uh, the these companies' red flags. You know, he'd be a great. He he'd be like a like the uh, the the investment whisperer. In the way that maybe if you're you're swiping through Tinder and you've got like a friend with you and your friend's like, nope, nope, wait, wait, let's look at the photo number two. Up, oh, yeah, okay, no, nope, red flag, mm -hmm. got it. Too oh, many yeah. cats, too many cats in that many picture. Cats. Photo, yeah, yeah. She's got too many photos with her dad. Ah, uh, that's a red flag, man. That's uh, yeah, that's not it. That's not a good thing. Or like she has like too many photos with like uh, all of her friends, and it takes you a while to figure out who she is. And you're just like, I hate that. Like, it's so weird. One? It's like, <laughs> why, why are you making or, me play this game? This is why, <laughs> <laughs> why, why are there filters on every single picture that make your eyes twice the size they should be? Yeah. You know, yeah. like you look like a different but, anime character in every photo. <laughs> this, uh, this company only shows pictures of its face. How am I supposed to know if it's a fatty or not? Come on. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so he, uh, so basically this guy is like, uh, you're like dating guru. You know, he's like Hitch where he's going to like help you figure out how to short. <laughs> he really like, he, he's like, he's like, so he goes through and he sees companies and he's like, not nah, hot or nah. And he's like, nah. So, <laughs> nah, nah. Nah. That's his entire job is just to say nah. And even if he's not going to say nah, then he's going to say not nah. But he's never going to proactively invest in anything. He's always just being a bitch. And <laughs> literally the name of his company is the Greek word for cynic. Uh, which, you know. Oh, that. Yeah. Oh, that's some. That's some. Uh, I, I don't want to go. I don't want to, you know, um, speak too poorly of this man. But that's like that like gets close to that sort of like. Alan Dershowitz level or like I am a high-minded person. Hello. Like, you know, like or, or yeah, yeah. Hello, my that, name that, is that, Smart. My name is my name is my name is Smart. Uh yeah. Hello. 
Uh, I'm personally a huge pessimist, so I, <laughs> I'm, I'm vibing. I'm vibing with the, with the hate that this guy is yeah. spewing yeah. out. Yeah. Look, you know, right. he's a he's yeah. an economics troll, and uh, we're you, we have so much smoke being blown up our asses all the time by these companies that uh that it's refreshing to have somebody be like nah man you slapped a filter on that you slapped the uh pre-covid 19 pandemic filter on this because people right. are reporting their like you know one one thing that came up in that article is people pr- uh reporting what their profits were at, with the caveat they're like oh that's what they would have been if it wasn't for the pandemic so it's like <laughs> yeah, not real it's numbers what, it's what it's what they would it's what they would have been <laughs> it's so- if it wasn't for reality right and like you know you can't yeah. it doesn't matter what the actual reality is we have to deal with what is not like what should have been if we'd yeah, you know I, this is just I, once again I, just like the financial sector just completely dissociating itself from reality <laughs> There's no yeah. connection anymore to like human and lives and labor or pr- pr- productivity in like a real sense. Um, so certain things come up. Oh, sorry, Danny, you were going to say something. No, I was just going to say, I, I always hear people uh, on, on the left, generally speaking, saying this phrase. I think I looked it up one time, but I just want you to, is that like what dialectic materialism is where it's like, no, this is actually what's happening. It's not like, uh, or like praxis. I don't know. I, I'm, I, <laughs> this is, I really just wanted to cl- clarify something for myself. Dialect, uh, dialectical but, materialism is the name of my hedge fund. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be, that would be great. Uh, no, uh, dialectical materialism, I think is like, dialectics is like from Hegel saying that the world moves in a chronological order towards like improvement basically like we are on the fast track of progress in some way the con- the world exists in stages is kind of like Dial- the- dialectical like thesis antithesis synthesis is kind of a hegelian thing yeah and then materialism yeah. on top of that is marxist kind of like you know twist on that which is kind of saying hey the world exists through material conditions and material conditions is like the sole way to interpret history basically um and so that's, so they're like the op- they're like the opposite of it because they're just they're not they're not looking at anything exactly that's happening in the, in the actual world nothing it's just yeah but nothing. if you also i mean i'd say the uh you're, you're also trying to resolve the contradictions that exist and the and one of the big contradictions right now is the uh the the tension between the this financialization of things that is mm-hmm. completely divorced from uh, the reality on the ground for most workers. Yeah, the Marxist theory that political and historical events result from the conflict of social forces and are interpretable as a series of contradictions and oh, resolutions. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's the good the con- stuff. The con- oh, that's the good the stuff. Con- oh yeah. <laughs> the conflict is believed to be caused by material needs. Fine, I'll put I'll put sexual music <laughs> below it, David. Fine, fine. Uh, um, so certain things come up uh, for Chanos, uh, for Chanos, bro. Uh, in his in the way that he's like figuring out what which uh companies to short, uh, he's always looking for technological obsolescence. Uh, basically means a product, uh, or some technology is no longer good. 
he's always looking for you know the VHS out that you know he's like this product is just gonna totally become useless in five years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's looking mm-hmm. for consumer fads, always looking for the next fidget spinner to short. Uh, he's always looking for a single product company, you know your Casper mattress and uh, growth hmm. growth via acquisitions and accounting games. Uh, notably, he's really looking for like so. Ba- oh, I mean, this is a huge issue. Like in a lot of the economy, is no one really ha- does organic growth anymore. Everyone just grows through acquisition, uh, or the so many people do, uh, or even some of their growth is just like totally bought into it. So there's no real like ever like consumer proof of concept it's just an acquisition or on an acquisition or an acquisition but there's never like a unified theory of like the entire thing actually has having organic growth yeah so instead instead of it being like i have just made a wrench and this is my wrench company people are being like i am going to buy your wrench company or more directly it's like i'm going to buy the idea of your wrench company (laughs) <laughs> and then I'm going to buy the idea of the idea of your wrench. Company. I've got an so app. Not- it's called Wrenchy, Danny. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. The thing is, is that with my app Wrenchy, you can I deliver uh, wrenches in a in a drop. I drop wrenches off at your house. It's contactless. And then after you use uh-huh. the wrench, you can you give it back. <laughs> and so it's kind of exactly. like exactly it's a it's a share economy wrenches. Sure. Yeah. And uh I've got we've got like 15 different models of wrenches that you can use depending on the size of the the lug nut that you need. Oh wow. Did you innovate and create an adjustable wrench? <laughs> yeah. Wrenchy yeah. <laughs> was nice. Wrenchy r- 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 yeah. was just Wrenchy was just purchased by um uh Pinch of Salty, <laughs> uh which is a, which is an app that allows you to uh, have a delivery driver bring over to you a pinch of salt that you would normally get from your neighbor <laughs> and for when you're cooking like, and you need something on the go. Like this. <laughs> yeah, he just uh, goes. Uh, yeah. Salt Bay shows up. And I love it. It's, it's, uh, and a pinch of salt, it's, ev- we're everyone's neighbor. <laughs> yes! Gabe, why aren't they paying you a million dollars? So yeah, so uh, yeah, he's looking for that sort of stuff. Uh, growth via acquisitions. Uh, he's looking for legal fraud, where a company adheres to the accounting rules and regulations, but there's still an intent to deceive. And he says that Enron was exactly this. Basically, they were using mm-hmm. aggressive accounting to front load profits and hide debt in its subsidiaries. Aggressive accounting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, front loading their profits, hiding their debt. Uh, does th- does this guy does this guy have like a really long track record? Like, did he short Enron, or is he like new to the game? He's been he's been around for a while. He like really made a fuck ton of money after two thousand eight, um, which makes me sure think, sure. Which makes me think like there, there's a ch- a chart in this article, and he's like kind of rising at like a normal pace, and then two thousand eight comes up, and he's like whoop. And then he, yeah, so he, <laughs> he, um, he kind of rocked it, uh, but he's been really just growing very, very strongly throughout a lot of this. He's had like 22% returns, uh, which is just kind of nuts. Right. I mean, and well, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, so I think he's been around for a while. I don't know if, uh, he really, uh, he didn't, they didn't really talk about like all the things that he made a lot of money on, but 
Uh, they did talk about what he ordered for lunch, which was a steak. <laughs> what? Sure, yes. No way. Uh, a rich guy got a steak? Come on. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah, it, yeah. that part was so banal. The uh, so, oh, yeah. the the parallel orderings between because this was a remote meeting and it also felt like sponsored content because you've got the the reporter in London who's like oh I'm so important that they're letting me in to this uh, dining room three days before they open up to the public so right there it's oh, yeah. already like oh you're a piece of shit and you're doing some exclusive mm-hmm. VIP uh, you're getting this treatment and you're rubbing in everybody's face. So now then she's telecommuting or conferencing with this guy who is also buying out a whole restaurant in uh in Miami to eat at. Yep. And then they oh, post yeah. the oh menu. So in between like every it, it felt like the like the Marquis de Sade's like, you know, where he's got like a philosophical tract and then it gets punctuated with like pornographic sex and then goes back, but it's not that <laughs> cool because it's like this uh conversation about finance punctuated by like and then we've got the bib iceberg lettuce salad drenched in mayonnaise (laughs) with bacon bits on it for an appetizer and it's like dude why are you guys eating garbage (laughs) yeah i think i i think it's you like pointed out something a little earlier gabe that i think is very poignant which is the idea that these guys or at least this guy in this case like like they exist in this weird simulacra that we now live in where right. things are so weird and backwards <laughs> and upside down and stuff that he has become like quite important in his own right because for some reason he's the only person who's actually kind of calling things out but he's also completely act acquiescing to the system in which he's calling things out in right yeah so it's just it's like one of those things where it's like it's like we you want to listen to him and you have to listen to him but like doing so it's like it's like it feels filthy it feels just sort of like ugh, why are you right i mean you're listening to the guy who's ordering a fried oreo dessert after eating a, a head of lettuce covered in mayonnaise and then a full steak yeah and drinking wine at noon and but none of it dollar fried Oreos. Sixteen dollar yeah. fried Oreos. None of it feels pleasurable. It's so gross. No. Every- it's, yeah, it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's repulsive. It's uh that 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 one character from Inside Out, the green one, would just be like, Bleh! like dis- disgust. <laughs> disgust would just be going off the fucking chain right now. But we ha- you, you, we're all little we're all just little pigs. And just like even within the nightmare that we live in, the the billionaires still have to eat in isolation by themselves and stare at a screen. They love that. Mm-hmm. They love that. Mm-hmm. It's like the Jetsons for them. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, so it, it, yeah. it, it is it is so gross to see how com- like much money he's made off of being right, and that's the thing is he's not yeah. being like he's right, but he's not doing good with being right. This is like a huge difference between being right and being good, and it's like a what I find like kind of like annoying. Uh, in other circumstances, it's like, yeah, you're right, but you're not like do something about this besides just like milking it for all it's worth. Like, I don't know. This this is my problem with the big short. Like, try to find another regulator or like 
try to find another journalist besides that corrupt one that you knew from college who works at the Wall Street Journal. Like, try to do something instead of just sending, instead of just like, all right, well, I'm just going to like, okay, we all know that Tesla sucks. Chanos knows that Tesla sucks. He's like, I think they're full of shit. They're talking about how self-driving, they're basically marketing self-driving cars as part of their company vision when that doesn't exist yet. And I'm like, Hell yeah, brother. I fucking hate self-driving cars. I think they're the I think they're like a bad idea. I don't think they're ever going to happen. Um and I think that w- even when they do happen, the negative externalities are going to be far far worse than any positive outcome we're going to have from them. And he's saying that as and he's not saying like, okay, let's invest in high-speed rail instead. Yeah. You know, he's like, yeah. no, I'm just going to ga- I'm just going to gamble that he sucks. <laughs> I just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna get ga- I'm just gonna gamble that Elon Musk is a dickhead. Yeah. I mean, and it's yeah. like congrats, you'll win that bet. Cool, man. Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, like cool, in some dude. ways, yeah. like like he is actually reliant on people being fraudulent or on people failing. Like his business model is contingent on them being bad. So he actually has no motivation to stop bad behavior because he wants to find it root it out and then invest accordingly in a way that he'll make money off of it even though it's an inverse investment it's still a there's still a a very easy correlative profit motive in it he's just a dirty little truffle pig where he just eats the he just eats the (laughs) truffles instead of bringing them back yeah bring them back to your master truffle pig but uh, you know, so I like his metric, though. I like these ch- this checklist of uh, of of bad behaviors that a company could right. be going through, and that's something that we can all look at with every company that we see, and uh, just with that sa- that same skepticism. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's why Tesla Tesla especially. That's why they are. I think they they are potentially one of the most shorted stocks in the stock market is because they check they hit every one of those check marks where it's just sort of like a uh, wildly variable um you know uh sourcing of materials batteries uh insane ceo who's like breaking up and also reconciling his relationship with grimes on twitter you know uh that makes me wanna, like that makes me want to bet in him invest in him <laughs> grimes is a positive yeah yeah totally anyways continue no, I mean it's just it's just all uh um it's just it's there's I mean look we we should probably do a whole episode on Elon Musk at some point. I'll just put it that way yeah. because his his amount his amount of financial grift is uh hilarious. Um and let us not forget that he is originally from South Africa and over 40 years old and part of the ruling class there. White. So uh, so just I'm not going to say it, but just imagine what being part of the ruling class in South Africa before 1990 implies. I wonder if he's <laughs> proud of his, hey, man, I'm just proud of my heritage. Yeah, he's just <laughs> proud. I'm proud. Yeah, I think I think it rhymes with McFart ride. McFartite. McFart ride. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, so anyways, Chanos is working on the Biden campaign. Um, 
So. <laughs> anyways. Uh, anyways, uh, feeling good about that. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. We, we should talk about this uh, last thing that uh, we've been all wanting to talk about on the, on the scream for a while, um, which is tax havens, baby. The yes. big boys. Uh, what are they? They are places where you don't have to pay taxes. That's all they are. Right, like if you are a citizen and you have to pay taxes, you go to a place where you don't have to pay taxes, and that is what is that. That is a haven. So it can Ta- be tax tax havens. What we're talking about archipelagos in the Caribbean. All right, we're talking about Jewels, a weird island. Yeah, we're I- islands. Very often islands. Islands, beautiful resorts. But there are also other forms of tax havens. This this was in Bloomberg uh, from uh, about 10 days ago. Well, uh, it's going to be later when this comes out. Rich Mexicans are fleeing to Miami and funneling money overseas. Um, and the whole article is basically just talking about how there's a lot of very wealthy Mexicans who are doing the same thing that Americans are doing, but with America. Um. This reminds me of one of two things. Uh, it's either basically like uh, the exact what, like why there are so many Cubans in South Florida these days. People are just yes. like fleeing yes. a leftist government uh, with President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, um, and it could be it could be just that they're just fleeing a leftist government uh, and hiding their money. Uh, in a uh, you know in some com- in some basically failed state, right? Uh, or they're just uh, or they're doing what like in the Americans do, which is taking their money to a place where they will welcome you with open arms, and they just want you to go there and hang out and maybe bring some jobs or two if you're lucky if if you could. Uh, most of those jobs being like concierge jobs. Uh, or driver, or things like that, and it, it, or, it's uh, just Lamborghini salesperson. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, did the uh, just uh, just a question, David? Does this article uh, say anything about uh, the the biggest Mexico boy possible, uh, Carlos Slim, aka probably the fifth richest man in the world right now? Uh, He's worth uh, about $70 billion. God, that's so fucking much. Uh, God damn it. Yeah. Uh, it's more than 69 bucks. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, it does, I, I, I don't um, have Bloomberg login access, so I couldn't read the whole, <laughs> whole story. Uh, I couldn't read the whole story. Uh, not, I'm not really sure. Uh, but it, it's... I guess it's just weird because it, it seems to be right. Like at first glance, like this is odd. Like people from a lower income or like a lower wealth nation are moving to a higher wealth nation to avoid paying taxes. It seems to be the opposite of what we usually think, which is like rich Americans moving to like Turks and Caicos or, you know, the Maldives mm-hmm. or all these, you know, Island nations that are, Otherwise, basically, have zero sources of income. Whereas usually, we think of it as the opposite of high wealth people from America storing their money offshore in low wealth countries like you know these Caribbean nations, 
uh, like St. Kitts and Nevis and St. Lucia or Antigua or Barbuda, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What, 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 what does this mean? Does it mean that uh, they pay less taxes in the U.S. than they would in their own countries? So we are, the U.S. is a tax uh, haven wow. for the upper class in the third world. Wow. Well, I think, I think broadly what it means to, um, if, I can, if I can get a little philosophical about it, is that we're just, um, the things are um, so globalized in a sense that you, I mean, there's, I mean, for, for financial people, it's like there is no such thing as a nation state because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like they're clearly kind of copying what a lot of billionaires and uh, very rich people are doing in, 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 in corporations are doing in the United States, like Amazon and, you know, uh, Microsoft and, you know, and any number of companies here who just very clearly Apple, uh, they evade taxes. Right, right. Uh, and, and, and what they're saying is, is like, not, o- not only are they evading a leftist or a, or a left-leaning state, you know, like, like Gabe said, but they're saying, hey, the world is so uh, globalized and, and, and like uh, border, borderless it, it, that we can effectively skirt the law just enough so that we can basically do what the United States uh, m- m- a financial class is doing. And it's actually, you know, uh, there's that, that's, um, that statement where people say, socialism for me but not for thee you know like right. have you if you've you've heard that right i i um that's popped up in like cults uh, you know where they're like oh you know all you rich people you get free health care in, in some version or right. other if you but if you really take it to it's like extreme the most extreme point it's like not only are they getting all those other little material things but they also get no states they get a borderless they get a borderless world where they don't have to deal with a with a physical border between fucking El Paso and you know, uh, you know, Juarez. that's what this John uh, Lennon song, Juarez. That's what that John Lennon Juarez. song was all about. It was just about being rich. Yeah, like, they're di- like they, imagine there's like, no borders, no religion too. That's just like oh no, I'm just a rich guy. That's just <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We you know we we talk about how you know not us specifically, but like leftists talk about how it's like yeah, fuck states, who cares? Let's just make it this. And people are like, are you kidding? That's ridiculous. You can't have a play. You can't have a a no st- a unstateless or an un you know anything country. Meanwhile, the incredibly rich are like. Oh yeah, there's no borders for me. I'm gonna, <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take my stuff and I'm gonna go to Florida and then I'm gonna go to Barbados. <laughs> I mean, this is a perfect example of this. This is from um, earlier in July. Caribbean nations are selling second passports at low, uh, like, and slashing prices in doing so. Basically, so this has been a thing that's been going on for a while in um, for the wealthy. Is that these nations like Saint Kitts and Nevis? Uh, St. Lucia, Grenada, Antigua, Barbuda, and Dominica are trying to get people to buy passports. If you invest a $150,000 contribution to St. Kitts and Nevis's, quote, sustainable growth fund, it will score you a passport for a family of four. Um, but Wow. Yeah, yeah. 
So th- this it used to be before COVID, it was one hundred ninety-five thousand, but now it's one hundred fifty because they're losing so much money from tourism, right? Big money. Uh, so they're trying. Wait, wait, is that how is that even? How is that? Can you do that as a nation state? You could just sell your passports. <laughs> like you can't. How? How? <laughs> yes, you can. There's, I mean, it's like if you are a sovereign nation, you have the exclusive right to control who is a citizen. And that's kind of the end of the story. There's no there's no body that's mm. just like you. Ha- you have to like if you wanted to say we are a nation, but literally every single person could be a, a nation of this of this uh, of Syria. We are all Syrians. And they could Syria could just decide that, and there's nothing really stopping anyone from, like, no no one has the authority to stop them from doing that. I mean, like Estonia uh, apparently is doing some really crazy stuff where they're kind of trying to do a similar kind of thing as a way to like help their tech industry, basically. Wherein if you're like a tech startup guy and you want to like start some company, te- Estonia is going to give you a bunch of like tax incentives, to, like start a tech company as long as you become an Estonian citizen. Um, and so this is a thing that like these smaller countries do a lot. Uh, and St. Kitts pioneered the industry in 1980s, basically. And now mm. it's like a multi-billion dollar business for them. And it allows people who are wealthy to escape from travel restrictions on their home country's passports. And it helps them plan for emergencies, apparently. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's also uh, it's also a big tax thing. And yeah, what if you have an American passport and you can't travel to uh, Europe, maybe because our country is just a big kiddie pool full of COVID diarrhea, and nobody wants to play with us <laughs> once we've been in that water. But uh, you got a St. Kitts passport, you go there, and then you can fly anywhere you want. Oh yeah, baby, uh, that's a that that's like it's such a funny, weird little insurance for yourself. Where I I love the guy who's like. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna save up hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I'm gonna buy a passport to this weird, small, sovereign Caribbean nation. And then when the apocalypse happens, I'm taking the last flight out of Miami, going there, and I'm just living off of coconuts and, and seawater for the rest of my days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are people who think like that. Uh and yeah. honestly, man, I, I like it's hard for me to not see the logic at this point in this world um it's like uh, <laughs> uh look i mean the the so the one thing that these countries are not allowed to do is um to like you basically uh the u.s treasury got really mad at saint kitts because there's some iranian nationals who are trying to use the saint kitts passport to evade u.s sanctions uh you know so i mean like this sort of thing happens right i mean this is just such a it's a common thing, and there's just like some sorts of some kinds of fraud that are that's kosher. But as soon as it gets in the way of like the U.S. State Department or the military-industrial complex, then all of a sudden it's like, uh, no, 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 we have to, you, you can't do that shit. Uh, and, and it and it kind of goes to show that this is like ultimately these states are client states of the United States of America, right? Like, yes. if it were a truly yes. sovereign nation and acting as such, then they would be like, go fuck yourself, State Department. I'm going to try and make my money, and I'm going to have this Iranian national get a citizen, 
and go fuck yourself. This just doesn't matter. But uh, it did not work out that way. And so it's not, um, and, and, and that's one of the many things about these, um, you know, kind of island nations making money off of tax havens that is ultimately not a super, it, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a fool's errand for that reason, uh, but for a few other reasons. There, basically, um, there's this entire idea that it, it's really just hurting the entire global sector, like we can already kind of identify this, you know, corporations used to, you know, con contribute one out of every $3 in federal revenue in the United States, but now it's more like one out of every nine. We're losing a lot of money. Um, 50 companies hold 75% of untaxed offshore profits. This is all from EPI. And I mean, there's just like, a, like, obviously it's known all the bad things that it does to the United States. Um, mm -hmm. But it also creates uh, what people would have, what some economists are describing as too much financialization or like over financialization of the economy to the point. Oh, to the point. Are you telling me there's too much financialization? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I think so. Um, so it, it is the question that this IMF paper uh, comes up uh, that I'm looking at for this one. Uh, it is, it's called the true cost of tax havens or tackling tax havens, right? And the relevant question, this is from the article, do financial flows attracted by tax havens help the receiving countries? They certainly help interest groups there, typically in the banking, accounting, legal, and real estate professions, but do they benefit the jurisdiction as a whole? Uh, the new, a new and outgoing and growing strand of research from the IMF the Bank for International Settlements, and others suggest that the answer is no. This too-much-finance literature argues that the financial sector growth is beneficial up to an optimal point, after which it starts to harm economic growth. Most advanced economies, including the United States and the UK and other major, and other major tax havens, suggesting that the US and the UK are tax havens, passed that point long ago. For them, shrinking the financial sector to remove harmful financial industries should boost prosperity. Um, so it's uh, John Christensen, a former economic advisor uh, in this story, uh, talked about the British tax haven Jersey, calling it a financial curse, which afflicts mm -hmm. jurisdictions with an oversized financial sector. And it's analogous to the resource curse that vexes some countries dependent on commodities such as oil. Now I'm just reading straight from the article. Um, and feel free to jump in. Uh, this, this, paradox of poverty in the midst of plenty has multiple causes a brain drain of skilled people from the government industry and civil society into the high paying dominant sector rising and growth sapping inequality between the dominant and the other sectors an increase in local prices that renders other tradable sectors less competitive with imports recurrent booms and busts in prices of commodities and financial assets and an increase in rent-seeking and loss of entrepreneurship at the expense of productive, wealth-creating activities as easy money flows in. I think I think maybe a way to tell me if I'm right about this because I'm, I'm uh, the way you make it sound is it, it seems like the only once these sort of things happen to these re, like these um, 
these corporate states, these these islands that have become purely just tax havens and, you know, whatever for the rich. It's it seems like what it's doing is it's taking that it's just eliminating ways for you to just be a normal person like living there right. or whatever. Right. You know, so you have you have like the highly, highly financial stuff at the top that's making like all of the money. And then the only other the only other way to make money is to be the almost indentured servant is sitting at the on the island bar in the pool, you know, right. serving, you know, making fifteen dollar Mai Tais. And like if you are super lucky, you own that little island in the middle of that pool and you live there <laughs> and you and and, right. and you're just sort of like oh yeah it's like it's like being a, a ski instructor at aspen you know right it's, just, it's like that... it's like why all the stand-up comics you know have day jobs or like there, there's just no room for you to actually have a productive life as an artist telling fart jokes instead you have to have this like unproductive shitty day job like helping rich people count their money Mm-hmm. Like there's no mm-hmm. like there's no actual place for you to make socially productive things. There's just every single millennial knows this. We all have a passion, you know, career, right? That everyone tries to do, but you know, in the forty-one to fifty hours of the week that they have free, and that is because we have to relegate. We have to relegate that because there. Are, the financialization of New York City has basically ended its the ability for normal people to have a normal life. And it is there is no more Bohemian yeah. Bohemian New York has been dead since Giuliani. There there is no real ability for someone to have this sort of productive, you know, human like humanity building life. And then there's people and, and it affects other sectors of like I I had a roommate who was telling me that he wanted to go get a PhD in physics. And I was like, why do you want to get a PhD in physics? Wow. And he was like, well, because people on Wall Street uh, hire PhDs a lot. And that is is very true. There are, uh, why do all of these PhDs who have all the subject matter expertise in socially productive things go to work for Goldman Sachs when they should be uh, either doing research and finding a cure or... Otherwise, maybe even starting a business, which is less, which isn't as bad as just going to work for a bank and how learning how to mm-hmm. make a bank wealthier. I mean, you see this everywhere. We are all becoming, um, you know, just kind of like servile to 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 these particular financialized entities. Um, I mean, fuck, man, this podcast could be about something cooler. dude you're you're either you're either uh you're either making a billion dollars or you're the guy who knows how to make marble busts of the billionaires right yeah 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 (laughs) so are you i mean there was a leap here because we went from an island that becomes a tax shelter to the island of manhattan and yeah. our year, the comparison here is that uh, we're we're all becoming the residents of third world wealth havens. I mean, look at what Manhattan is, right? Manhattan, the there there's you know recent articles where what it was like you know one in three buildings in Manhattan or some gigantic percentage, maybe it's 
even 10%, but still huge amount, uh, is just empty real estate assets that's just being Mm -hmm. used by offshore Mm -hmm. entities as a form of, you know, like a, a secure investment. To like to round out their portfolio. That's like right. This is- so that means that nobody can live here affordably because all of those units that are empty are overpriced. And right. the, and the jobs that matter are the construction jobs that are uh, short term to build those places. Gabe, you could be describing the economy of St. Kitts right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. it's the yeah. exact, those are the exact same problems that they're having. And the the thing about an offshore tax haven is in part that it is like it's lower taxes but it is also just not your sovereign state it is not where you have citizenship so you don't have to it's just harder for the state to collect taxes on that property or on that capital and so you can kind of anywhere can kind of be an offshore tax haven as long as it is offshore from where you're a citizen and from where the state holds sovereign Holds, you know, hegemony right. over yeah. you. What is St. Kitts you know, going to send its cops here to try to black bag me and take me off in the middle of the night and go yeah. <laughs> sir, go to trial there? Like they don't have the they don't have the resources or the extraction yeah. team. And then the Saint State Kitts Department doesn't have a Mossad. Then the yeah. State Department would defend you. <laughs> it, it's it is it is about as reasonable to have a passport to St. Kitts as to have a passport to 432 Park Avenue. Like it, it like right. that's 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 the world that we kind of live in now. Uh, where it's just sort of like, yeah, dude, that uh, look, it's the same thing. It's a it, that it's a so, it's basically a sovereign state where it's like you don't get in there unless you have a specific reason, and and it's probably to hoard wealth. <laughs> right. I mean, and it's easier. To, and it, uh, there are Americans who I think use Manhattan as an investment portfolio, as like a part of their investment portfolio, not as like a place to live. Absolutely. Um, but like. It is so much easier to do it when you are a foreign national, mm-hmm, a- mm-hmm. and there are there are actually nations that forbid outsiders from owning real property. Um, Tunisia is actually a good example of this. I uh, uh, I went there in Tunisia. Fe- Tunisia, yeah. So they just had their revolution in 2011. They're transitioning to democracy right now, and it's you know little messy but they have uh, a law that basically forbids any any basically if you want to own real property if you want to own land if you want to own a, if you want to have a, your business there uh a tunisian must be a tunisian citizen must be some percentage of the ownership structure or or a corporation owned by a tunisian must be some percentage mm-hmm. of the owner structure ownership structure and when i went there it is a like it is a vibrant country there are shops everywhere i was in this small town in the middle of nowhere i was there with my girlfriend she's doing research and stuff like that there and it was like in the small town of the in the desert and there was in downtown there was an art gallery and wow just like a really like chic looking art gallery and like a coffee shop and a hookah bar and it's just like it just looked nice i i can't really describe it any other way (laughs) It's like it just is um, when real property is cheaper because there's not this foreign influx of capital. Um, 
you have the ability for people to live a life of dignity and like do things that they want to do and start businesses yeah. that they actually want to start. I, 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 there's just, we all know people who have wanted to do things, but don't because they're in too much debt, you know? And then all of a sudden, like in America, the like twisted logic is like the only way for you to live a life as an artist or to live a life that you want to live is if you're born into privilege and you don't have to have debt. Right. I mean, it, it is, um, such an unfortunate reality of, of our economy. Um, but it's, it's there everywhere. No one can have a life of dignity because there's just too much financialization. Anyways. Um, it's just the, the IMF story says that it worsens inequality, increases vulnerability to crises, uh, and deals unquantifiable political damages as secrecy shrouded capital infiltrates Western political systems. And as financial capitals flow from poorer countries to rich world tax havens, labor migration will follow. Yeah, I, 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 I would say um, I think you really hit upon something that's that's very profound there, uh, David, because, you know, I think in a lot of our circles, you know, uh, there's been a, a big vilification of business owners and and what have you. And that's largely true. You know, like, you know, I think we all have prob we've all probably had issues with managers and, and shit like that and 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 what have you. And but when you're describing like this this sort of scene that you saw in whatever in, in, in Tunisia where it's just sort of like it's actual it's like actual entrepreneurs and like people doing their own thing in a in a positive way not only is it a novelty but it's just sort of like that it, it's almost like arcane like it came out of a completely different time like it's something yeah. that just cannot it just does not exist I, I i'm gonna i wanted to send uh just a really quick link um it's not to an article or anything like that but um this is a thing that exists in New York. Um, have you guys ever heard of Greenwich Village or Greenwich Locksmiths at all? Have you seen that? No. Or do you know what that is? No. It's this weird little. It's this. It's the smallest zone business in New York in Manhattan. It is a building probably smaller than my room, and it is just a locksmith that's been there for thirty years. Sweet. It's a fucking cute little building and stuff. And when you see it and stuff. It, it it goes beyond just being like oh it's a business you know it's it, it you like that is unheard of it's like unheard of right now right because it's so it's so novel it's so just like it is what it is on its face it's just a place to get a replacement for your keys you know right it's not a tax haven it's not this it's just like it's just a dude making keys right and you like know. i think that look i mean like everyone a bad boss is a bad boss and like someone who's exploitative mm -hmm. is exploitative and there's like that 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 is just unquestionably bad but like i don't think anyone serious on the left would say that like that key shop is like inherently like imperialistic or inherently exploitative right like a small business a single proprietor small business um can be just like a nice way for someone to live their dreams and just to have like a chill small life. Um, it's like shit can be nice. It could, shit can be for, nice uh, for like, for, for, I mean, for like, um, for some, uh, for some commodity that's just like fucking balloons, you know, like if, if it's, an, <laughs> you know, if it's a, if it's a highly elastic good, 
like there's nothing wrong with like it just you just like i sell i sell art art is a highly elastic good right like these this podcast is a fucking small business right like this yeah so that those things are good um anyways this this paper i think we should link to it in the podcast because it's fascinating there's this um if you guys look at this chart on it uh on page like six of the um thing on of our little paper uh there's this little like bell curve of too much finance and it says Mm -hmm. most advanced economies including the united states are past the point at which the financial sector growth is beneficial and it's like yeah it's like on one side of the bell curve is like the gambia which is not doing well um and then there's ecuador which is doing slightly better morocco and then nine and then there's like this one part we're just slightly over the bell curve where that says where it's good 95 percent confidence band around the kind of turning point which means that uh it's effect on gdp growth rate is optimal right when it's at the top and mm-hmm. uh when the united states is like all the way down on the financial development <laughs> index on the other side hugely overly financialized and it is just totally messing with actual like financial with with like actual gdp growth and like creation of wealth for people and creation of like yeah 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 it's just fucking it with everything yeah 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 man yeah well you know <laughs> i think uh <laughs> i i i mean it's kind of a it's sort of a dark deep topic but um i think we could get you know we can we'll we'll, we'll talk about a version of this you know in the future again i mean tax havens are not something that go away quickly so it's it's something that's going to come up and i would just encourage all the listeners and stuff to just pay attention to that stuff and and to think about culture and what it does when you know you just stop selling wrenches brother you know <laughs> yeah uh so tax havens obviously not good for the country that is losing the tax revenue but um also not good for the receiving end as well um anyways uh that's all i got um yeah we good we should get we wrap this up Uh, yeah that sounds great yeah all right well this has been ponzi scream uh i'm david gabe um my name is danny and i've got a wrench that i would like to sell you (laughs) danny 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 lamborghini yeah 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 it's gonna be great all right uh cool cool guys guys bye later